Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family Radio. Thank you for joining us today. And it's kind of a big day because we're winding up our family Bible studies in the Gospel according to St. Luke. We are in Luke chapter 24, and we're entitling this episode, Helping Your Children Walk Down the Emmaus Road. The two disciples who were walking down the Emmaus Road when a stranger joined them, that stranger was the resurrected Jesus Christ, their eyes were shut, but they had a transforming experience just in that seven-mile journey down the Emmaus Road. And the goal that what we've been trying to share with now the third uh, episode on Luke 24 is so your children and yourself can have such a transforming experience. Now, I'm going to give you the episode number of this broadcast. It's episode 280. And the reason I'm giving it to you, we also offer this radio show as a podcast, and I'm going to be offering and recommending various things. In fact, up to five things in this broadcast. So you can get a pen and paper if you're listening right now, make notes on your phone or whatever, but I'll try to get through as many of the recommendations as I can in this episode 280. So if you want us to help you, you can help us get to whatever we recommend in any of our episodes if you remember that number. Now, the first thing I want to share with you today is by way of practical application. I want you to know that I'm all for physical exercise. Um, I've tried to exercise all of my adult life, uh, not nearly as much as I intend to and wish to, but I think exercise is a great idea. But with children, I don't think making them exercise by carrying around a five-pound Bible is a great idea. I think the best gift, and you can have a five-pound Bible at home because that's where it will stay, but you want a Bible that will go with your child in the backpack to school, to camp, to youth retreats, um, off to college, and something that's handy, useful, and something that they don't start reading. You know, Genesis is a pretty exciting book, and Uh, Exodus, halfway through, is pretty exciting, and then it repeats twice all the details of the the tabernacle, and that can get a little bogged down in details, and then you stop reading in Leviticus, and that's the end of your Bible reading for the rest of your life. Instead, I recommend—again, this is a good start—is a New Testament and Psalms. So it starts them with Matthew, go through Revelation, plus the book of Psalms. And the translation I recommend is the Revised Standard, the Catholic edition. Why the Revised Standard? I think it's the most readable translation right now available for Catholics. And the Ignatius New Testament and Psalms, this is my first recommendation, is the Bible that I would recommend for young people. It comes in kind of a imitation leather or leather-bound versions. I like the nicer the two versions and make it as a gift. It's a wonderful confirmation present. It's a good baptism present. It's a good thing to give your children. 
of whatever age, and it's a good thing for yourself because the Bible should go with you, and this is the great one. The Ignatius New Testament and Psalms, that's the Revised Standard Version, the Catholic Edition. And again, if you have any questions, it's this is episode 280, and what's that Bible Steve recommended for my kids? That's the one. Number two, this is uh, ultra practical uh, application tip, but the Family Life Center has published uh, scores of a Bible bookmark. It has the books of the Bible. Because like if you're reading something and you say, like I have in a, in a talk to at a Catholic school, I said, let's turn to the book of Romans because I want to show you a verse in chapter 5 which describe, uh, describes for you God's profound love for his children. And I'm talking about high schoolers can't find the book of Romans. Well, with a Bible bookmark, you can give a hint, just say it's in a New Testament, they can look in probably three or four seconds, they can see the order of books, and use this as the initial step in finding their way around the Bible. And a wise mom or dad after dinner can be referring to a part of Scripture, and then you offer your children the first to turn there, uh, gets three Skittles, the second place gets two Skittles, third place gets one Skittle, or give the younger ones a chance at this, and it's kind of a treasure hunt, so to speak, as finding their way around the Bible, okay? So we've gotten to two recommendations already, the Ignatius New Testament and Psalms, number one, and then the Bible bookmark, and, and if you want one of these for free, send us a stamped self-addressed number 10 envelope, and we can put up to eight of those Bible bookmarks in a envelope with a first-class stamp, okay? We just don't have quite the finances to send everything out with the postage rates today, but a self-addressed number 10 envelope with a first-class stamp, and let us know how many you need, but we can put up to eight with that one stamp. All right, I'd like to now turn to the apostolic exhortation of the word of the Lord by Pope Benedict XVI that I closed with last time. He said this, the Christian life is essentially marked by an encounter with Jesus Christ. What your goal is as a parent for the spiritual formation of your children is not just to sit in so many classes, okay? It's good to sit in classes, okay? But to survive spiritually in today's world with today's culture, they want what the Pope says the essential thing of the Christian life is encountering Jesus, not just hearing words about him, but encountering him, where a personal journey based on the Word of God, can occur and truly serve as the basis for spiritual life. Now, I'm going to project into the mind of Pope Benedict, maybe a little dangerous to do, but I think I'm, I'm on solid ground here. When he says, a journey based on the Word of God, well, what journey in the Bible is based on the Word of God? It's Luke 24, the journey down the Emmaus Road 
And this is where you get the basis for a transformed spiritual life, an encounter with Jesus Christ. This is the essential thing in the Christian life. And this is why this is such an important chapter of the Bible. He goes on to say, I express my heartfelt hope for the flowering of a new season of greater love for sacred scripture on the part of every member of the people of God so that their prayerful and faith-filled reading of the Bible will, with time, deepen their personal relation with Jesus. That's it, folks. Um, This is one of the essential things. Don't get distracted by publishers needing to sell you every every other book. This is the key, and, you know, uh, you end up saying this wasn't the key. You know, this is the foundation. This is the basis, and uh, the Bible itself. And again, for a new person just starting Bible reading, the New Testament and Psalms for a young person is just ideal. Pope Benedict said in another place, and uh, this is actually this quotation played a part in my doing this entire study in the Gospel of Luke. By the way, this episode is probably the last one for the Gospel of Luke. I'm sorry to say goodbye, but here, here we go. Luke's description, that's in Luke 24, of the disciples who meet Jesus on the road to Emmaus represents in some sense the model of a catechesis centered on the explanation of the scriptures. Hmm, that's from Pope Benedict, okay? The model of catechesis, who would have thought of such a thing, is giving young people the scripture and basically a a simple, straightforward explanation of what the scriptures are saying. This would be a model of catechesis by someone as learned as Pope Benedict XVI. And what happens when you follow that model of catechesis? And here's the verse. This is what you want so your children don't wash out with the 60-plus percent that are washing out today. Luke 24, verse 32. They said to one another, these are the two disciples that had the scriptures open to them down the Emmaus Road. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? This is exactly what we want. We simply don't want facts to help us know about God. We want to know God. God is knowable. He wants to be known by your children. He desires to reveal himself to you and your children, and if you prayerfully and humbly say, you know, God, help me to understand the Bible, or God, open my eyes and I might behold wondrous things out of the scriptures, just a simple prayer and asking God to open that up. And the Bible can go from a dry, dusty book to one that's so alive and vibrant. But God speaks not to the superficial part of our being. He speaks to the heart. And you've heard me say this several times in this study in the Gospel of Luke. The heart, according to New Testament Greek, the original language the New Testament was written in, the heart isn't the emotions like what we think of for a Valentine's card in the United States. 
the part of the human anatomy that's the emotions in the scripture is refers to the bowels or the gut, okay? You have the mind, and obviously that needs to be engaged, and we are to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, but also with all of our heart. And the heart is that deepest part of the human being that God wants to connect with. That's that personal encounter. And I've offered this before, but this is number three in my recommendations today. We offer a free handout that we will email you It's entitled Scripture Verses for Knowing God from the Heart. And this, actually, it's several pages, but it's not extensive. These are just Bible verses which show you that the eyes of your understanding to really connect with God, it goes deep right to the heart. And it's Scripture Verses for Knowing God from the Heart. Just request the heart handout by sending an email to askthehost.com at gmail.com, scripture verses for knowing God from the heart. And why is this so important? I'm going to lean back on one of my favorite popes, Pope Benedict XVI, and this is what he said. Knowing Christ, true God and true man, is an encounter, not with an idea or with a project of life, but with a living person who transforms our innermost selves, revealing to us our true identity as children of God. The organ for seeing God is the heart. The intellect alone is not enough. (laughs) Now, I mean, I'm kind of laughing a little bit because that was written by one of the men in the entire continent of Europe with the finest intellect, not just in the church, I'm talking about all of Europe. And he says the intellect alone, it's not against the intellect by any means, but it's not enough. You wanna go deep. And it might've been an option for certain select few in other ages in the 21st century, it's for all of us. And you know, and, and I'm not, Uh, proposing something here. I'm just saying, this is just, I'm just sharing my heart with you. You know, if I had uh, younger children and my children are past the age of confirmation and all that, but if I had a choice to make between 12 months of confirmation classes or the alternative or of four or five days in the mountains with a leader whose heart had been strangely warmed, Um, I dare say those four or five days in the mountains might do as much or more than a year of the classes. And I'm not saying doing away with the classes, but thinking of ways, and I'm not talking about, you know, locking uh, students who are about to be confirmed in the gym overnight. Uh, That's going to create a lot lot of noisy chaos. I'm talking about uh, four or five days. It takes two or three days just to detox and get out of cell phone range with a leader whose heart has been warmed and can have that capability to pass that on to young people. It's very important. Okay, now I want to share with you what the Bible actually is. This is a big book, a lot of pages, 73 books, 
But the Bible has a red thread. I remember I had a Holy Land trip just once, and we were in Egypt, and we're flying down to um, one of the treasure cities, and I happened to be seated next to a professor of uh, archaeology or something, and, uh, and he wanted to see my paper that I had written about this site we were about to go visit, and he read it, and he critiqued it, and he said, it's a good paper, but you don't have a red thread. In other words, you don't have a theme going through your paper uh, that connects all the various parts. I never forgot that. I was embarrassed at the time, but I tried to write papers from then on having a red thread going through, a storyline, a continuous and developing theme, and the Bible does have that. Now, I'm just going to give you a hop, skip, and a jump uh, and show you how this might fit together. The seed of the red thread or the storyline or the continuous developing theme of all Scripture begins right after the fall into original sin. All the rest of the Bible then is the plan of redemption. And Genesis 3.15 is the beginning of that because God says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed, the seed of the serpent, and her seed, who ends up being the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But we have to get to the New Testament for that. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the seed of the woman will be bruised, but it will not be a fatal blow like a blow to the head of the serpent. Well, you move through the scripture. Remember, this is a red thread. These aren't little stories disconnected with little moral tales or this or that. No, there's, there's a theme, there's a connection. So you go to a popular chapter of the Bible where stories are extracted and isolated from the rest of scripture, a place like 1 Samuel 17, the account of David and Goliath. Well, several times in 1 Samuel 17, before David even goes to fight Goliath, he says, you know, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to cut off your head because you crush the head of the serpent, you crush the head of Satan, uh, you destroy his power. Goliath at that point in history was representing the power of Satan over the plan of redemption. And of course, David takes his stones and where's he sling his stone? Right at the forehead. And this is not in children's literature, but it should be. So you could connect a red thread. He goes and then takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. Then he goes into Jerusalem, still carrying the head of Goliath. So you know, we're supposed to get this fact through our foreheads. There's something going on here that's connected to Genesis 3.15. And we're going to do hop, skip, now jump to the New Testament, Matthew 27.33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, this is where the Genesis 3.15 head crushing reaches its final stage with the seed of the woman being bruised, but the head of the serpent being crushed definitively. That's how the Bible fits together. That's the way you want to teach the Bible to your children. But you might say, you know, this is called biblical theology for those who like technical stuff, but I'm just an average mom, an average dad. How do I get the big story, the big picture of Scripture? Well, I'm here to tell you, I have a resource that's a quadruple plus simple 
easy to use, and profoundly true. Okay, this is recommendation number four, and it's the book entitled Bible Basics for Catholics, a new picture of salvation history by the Franciscan University of Steubenville professor John Bergsma. It's only 179 pages. Uh, professor Bergsma is a two-time teacher of the year at Steubenville, and this book is representative from one of his most popular uh, classes. I just want to read you a couple of things that Scott Hahn says in the foreword to the book. Scott writes, the book you're holding may look small, but you'll soon find out that it contains something really big inside. That something is a brief but profound summary of God's plan in sacred scripture. In other words, this is the red thread. This is the storyline. And John Bergsma, with profound skill, teaches this with both text and stick drawings that you, mom or dad, can draw. I mean, even with my ability of art, which is pretty near zero, you know, you can draw these things. And better yet, your children can draw them while you're teaching this. This is that this is this is a real incredible tool. And this is better than a lot of stuff people are trying to sell you, some magic formula for your kids. This will get them into the Bible and how it fits together. And again, it's Bible Basics for Catholics, a new picture of salvation history. And I'll just say, if you happen to be a regular donor of the Family Life Center, there's a lot of stuff our donors get, a lot of education they get, that you're not getting over the radio. And if you were a regular donor at Family Life Center, you would have had this book in your hands seven years ago. Just saying. Okay, that was recommendation number four. Recommendation number five is that there's a distinct need to prepare your children to resist being fed poison. It's everywhere. And believe me, this poison is being fed very frequently by sincere, pious, well-intended catechists, teachers, and professors. I'm just going to hit one, but I think it's one extremely significant. It's called the JEDP theory, which is basically the theory of evolution applied to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and it basically questions and undermines the authority of Scripture by undermining the authority of the author. They say it wasn't written by Moses or primarily by Moses. It was a composition, and if you deny that Moses wrote it, you're basically denying Jesus' statement that he thought Moses wrote this. And think about where we are today. Do you think we'd be having the widespread clerical crisis, homosexuality widespread in the priesthood, if priests today were taught in seminary that Moses wrote Genesis, that the account in Genesis of Sodom and Gomorrah was absolutely true rather than saying this is a pious myth. I've put together, and this is one that's in our dads.org store, a, a CD along with a 14-page handout 
entitled, Did Moses Really Write the Pentateuch? And there's enough in here to resist this, because when this theory was first proposed, every single student in a Lutheran seminary lost his faith. They were become Lutheran pastors. They washed out. The professor acknowledged the error, and now this is extremely widespread in Catholic circles, and you do, basically, you don't want this to be repeated in our day. You know, uh, Pope Benedict and Cardinal Sarah have co-authored a book. It just came out or is coming out entitled From the Depths of Our Hearts. And here's something that uh, probably many will miss in the big controversy about priestly celibacy in this book, and, and it's this, and I quote, at the root of the grave situation in which the priesthood finds itself today, there is a methodological, methodological defect in the reception of Scripture as the Word of God. You see, young men in many places are being taught that the Scripture isn't the Word of God given through men, but it's simply the Word of pious men and therefore it isn't the Word of God. In Pope Benedict's Volume 1 of Jesus of Nazareth, he cites the Russian writer Vladimir Soloviev, who wrote a piece exposing the Antichrist, and Pope Benedict points out that Soloviev has the Antichrist receiving an honorary doctorate in theology for being such a great scripture scholar. And then Pope Benedict goes on to say, this isn't Steve, this is Pope Benedict XVI. This is probably, <laughs> this is stronger than I have the courage to say, but I'm reading it. The fact is that scriptural exegesis, that's interpretation of scripture, the fact is that scriptural exegesis can become a tool of the Antichrist. The alleged finding of scholarly exegesis has been used to put together the most dreadful books that destroy the figure of Jesus and dismantle the faith, unquote. So my last recommendation, get a copy of Did Moses Really Write the Pentateuch? It'll get your children started on defending the Bible from its critics. But the bottom line is that you want to help your children Walk down the Emmaus Road with hearts burning with the love of God. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 280 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net.